Absorb the Arrow, Chapter 4, Kryptonite for Bullies. In the DC comic universe, the greatest superhero of them all is a young man named Clark Kent, also known as Superman. When you organize a skills and talents list for Superman, he is one of the most godlike beings in folklore. Speed, strength, jumping ability, eyesight, vision, hearing, mentality, and he can even wipe a woman's memory by kissing her. Superman seems invincible, yet he is not. In the known DC universe, there is only one way he can be defeated. Get him in the vicinity of kryptonite. When a Kryptonian, such as Superman, is exposed to kryptonite, those superpowers evaporate and are replaced with muscle weakness, pain, fever, and route to certain death unless the kryptonite is moved away from the victim. One might say that kryptonite turns Superman into Clark Kent. I didn't write that. Heard it at an open mic comedy show years ago from a comedian who needed to use the shower at a higher frequency. Good joke, though. I hate to compare bullies to Superman, but to the victim of bullying, they seem to have all the power and endurance of a son or daughter of Krypton. As Kryptonite contains the power to subdue Superman, the victims of bullying can have the skill of subduing those bullies to the point of being completely ineffective. One of the philosophies of Judo, according to Jigoro Kano, is softness controls hardness. This phrase essentially means that a smaller fighter can control and eventually subdue a larger fighter through being elusive and using the strength and force of the larger fighter against him. This philosophy is a great paradigm from which to consider the concept of bullying. First, as with most things in life, it is important to define what bullying is. Bullying is a form of dominance behavior, loosely defined as repeated aggressive acts in which there is an imbalance of power between the perpetrator and the victim. The characterization of bullying typically has three elements, as taught by Dan Olwes. One, there is an imbalance of power from perpetrator to victim. Two, the bully enjoys exerting the power over the victim. And three, the relationship repeats itself over time. In some circles, bullying can include assault and battery, but that is where I suggest the reader make a distinction. Battery is unwanted touch or contact by another. Assault is defined as credible threats of battery. These are crimes and should be treated as such. In those circumstances, actual judo may be more helpful than anything I'm able to teach you here. I want to explore nonviolent bullying and tactics to help children, teens, and adults cope with those who would dominate them. If the victims are assaulted or battered, the police should be involved. Incredible amounts of resources have been invested to convince children not to bully one another. The rub is, students at schools with anti-bullying initiatives may be more likely to become the victim of bullying. The same article suggests that anti-bullying posters and videos presented at school may give bullies ideas as to how to bully more effectively, presumably leaving more time for leisure and recreation. The research cited in that article also seems to suggest that the culture of the school is to blame. One is left to ask, if we use the Prussian model of schooling, which currently puts the entire system under the auspices of compulsion and threats, how can the culture at those schools be changed so that the children do not feel the need to coerce and threaten one another? 
As it stands, a considerable percentage of the population acquires their resources through this Prussian schooling model and the accompanying threats. So a change is less than unlikely. Further, bullying is available to us on demand wherever we go. Cyberbullying is a subtle and pernicious threat that may have an influence on the increasing suicide rates. What are we left to do? There is a problem, and the supposedly reasonable fixes may be making it worse. I suggest we remember two lessons we learned in school, one from biology class and one from drama class. In biology, we learn about a social structure called the dominance hierarchy. These hierarchies arise when members of a social group interact to create a ranking system. In social living groups, members are likely to compete for access to limited resources and mating opportunities. Rather than fighting each time they meet, relative rank is established between members of the same sex. Based on repetitive interactions, a social order is created that is subject to change each time a dominant animal is challenged by a subordinate one. As with many animals, when humans are maturing, there is an underlying competition to climb this hierarchy. The bully has the power and repeats this behavior to maintain their position in the hierarchy. Chickens, for example, will gang up on and sometimes kill weaker chickens. This behavior has birthed the term that is a euphemism for dominance hierarchy, pecking order. If we see through the prism of a pecking order or dominance behavior, the lesson will reveal itself. The trick is to not waste too much time on the bully. Rather, spend a healthy amount of time and resources teaching kids to be strong and resilient and to climb the hierarchy through love rather than hate. There is a magical skill that we teach students in drama class called improvised theater. I will not bore the reader with all of the rules of improvised theater. But I will focus on the first rule. Yes, and. This means that the goal of all the performers on stage is to accept all information presented by your scene partners. Then, add something to the scene from the perspective of your character to drive the scene forward. This skill works like magic when navigating the human condition, especially when someone is attempting to use you as a rung on the dominance hierarchy. This tactic is basically taking anything that happens to you and growing your golem's power to protect you. When mastered, you will have a simple skill that will essentially make you impervious to verbal assaults from others. To illustrate, let us explore a bullying scenario. The bully says, Hey, loser, do you work hard to smell that bad, or does it come to you naturally? To which the victim replies, I don't stink. You're a jerk. I'm telling the principal. Tears. The bully continues, oh, does that hurt your feelings? You know, I bet a half pound of ice cream would make you feel better, and it would also help you maintain that triple XL waistline. Two for one. Then the victim would respond, I'm just big boned. Stop it. Leave me alone. More tears. And the bully says, okay, Jack. The victim, my name is Joseph. You got it wrong on purpose. The bully says, did I, Josephine? I'll have to work on that. The victim then cries and runs off to sob in the lavatory. The bully wins this game in straight sets. Being defensive is a natural and childish response to negative attention. Accepting the available information and adding to the scene of life displays confidence and resilience. 
I hope this simple and powerful skill, along with chapter 3, can help control the tendency to give others power over us with their words. Bruce Lee said it this way, You will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing everything with logic. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. End quote. Instead of having an emotional fall apart, what if Joseph allowed his golem to absorb those verbal arrows? What if those clever and mean things didn't have any power over him? What if he followed the first rule of improv and agreed to those verbal slights? The interaction could read like this. Bully says, hey loser, do you work hard to smell that bad or does it come to you naturally? Victim, naturally but thanks for noticing, then goes about his business. The bully persists. Does that hurt your feelings? I bet a half pound of ice cream would make you feel better, and it would also help you maintain that triple XL waistline, two for one. And the victim could say, maybe, it's hard to tell with all that bacon that I eat. Maybe I will try ice cream with my bacon and see how that works. Thanks for the tip, then goes about his business. The bully goes, okay, Jack. The victim says, Jack, I like that. Maybe I'll switch from Joseph to Jack. It has a nice ring to it. Thanks for the recommendation. Goes about his business. The bully will eventually realize that he or she has no capacity to hurt the targeted victim and loses the game. His powers have been weakened and he has been reduced by the first rule of improv. Is this skill easy to implement? No. But neither is judo. You have to practice to develop any skill worth having. If you do practice this skill, when you are faced with a bully, you will discover that you have become resilient, confident, and much more charming and fun to be around than any bully ever dreamed. Then the bully will have a considerable amount of sympathy for Superman when he has his strength completely stripped by kryptonite. The first rule of improv is a great way to go about your daily business. Being playful and agreeable with our friends, neighbors, and enemies is a great skill to develop. A side effect of being playful in this manner is that you might even accidentally climb the dominance hierarchy through love and brotherhood rather than belittling your fellows. Lastly, by accepting what the bully says, I am in no way giving you permission to believe what they say. Remember, we are treating these interactions like a game. Nobody should be able to change how you feel about yourself and the actions that you decide to take by saying something rude or hurtful. The very point of this exercise is to take control of your own thoughts, which will influence your feelings on your own terms. This is one of the chief ways we can give that proverbial golem his power.